Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the TKW Podcast. I'm joined today with Kyle Maggio. What's going on, everybody? And Brian Giverman, of course. How's everyone doing? Everything's good. Everything's going good. The holidays are over. Uh, you guys all had a good time, I'm presuming? Yeah. Yeah, can't yeah. complain. Always good to see family. Yep. And... Uh, Unfortunately, we were not gifted with a, another Knicks win over the Bucks. In fact, we fell in grand fashion, 109-95. to 95. Uh, Led mostly by Giannis and Anacumpo, 30-point game with 14 rebounds to go along with that. Uh, Brooke Lopez shipped in 20. The Bucks uh, famously missed 17 straight three-pointers, and yet the Knicks could still not capitalize and end up giving up a lot of ground in the third quarter. Uh, to recap quickly, Knox led the charge with 21 points. He shot 8 for 20 and looked pretty good out there, pretty confident. Vonley with 14 points and 15 rebounds is good to see. Uh, we had a poor shooting game from Tim Hardaway, 4 of 18 uh, for 14 points. Got a lot of minutes out of Luke Cornett, who shot all of his shots from three-point range and went 3 for 6. Uh, but the story of the game that came out afterwards was Frank Nielakina was once again benched and in favor of Trey Burke. Uh, Burke ended up scoring two points and went one for seven. And there were some uh, some comments after the game uh, from Fisdale. Obviously, it was in Frank the first question, but you know, before we start breaking it down and everything, I'd, I'd like to just read exactly what Fisdale had said about Frank being benched last night. He goes, Frank has been struggling and Trey is back. Let's take a look at it. That's kind of what I've been doing with these guys. When one guy hits a certain amount of gas where he is struggling, the next guy is up. Let's give him a look. They'll never be a permanent thing. Frank is very important to us, and we just have to find a way to get that confidence back for him. Frank responds, did I know that I would not play today? Coach makes his decision during the game, so you don't know. I don't know how long I'll be. I can't predict every game in the future. One thing I can do is get ready for each and every one, which I do. Practice hard, get ready physically and mentally for the next game. So I feel like this is the first time this season that I feel pretty okay with Frank being benched. I, I'm, you know, I never like to see him get benched for Trey Burke. It's not like Trey Burke came in and proved that, but. You know, Frank has been struggling. He he caught on after his first benching, and now he is once again, you know, looking non-existent out there. So let's start with you, Brian. What are your thoughts initially on Frank being benched for on Christmas Day? There's I have to break this up into two parts, kind of. The first part is I, I would still play him. Like if I was the coach and I was making the decisions, I would still use Frank as the backup point guard and not Trey Burke. So I want to make that clear. The second part of it is I no longer can work up myself to get angry about it. Frank, in the last five games, 21.4% from the field, 
18.2% from three, a horrible plus minus. If you watch the Hawks game, he had Jeremy Lin took the ball from him as he was just dribbling it up the court. He let Vince Carter drive by him, and Vince Carter's 42 years old. I thought his defense, he was reacting rather than last year when he was at his best. He had the foot speed, the quickness, and the smarts to kind of dictate where the people he were defend he would defend would go. And I'm not seeing that same type of quickness this year. Like even in even in summer league, like the way he ate Trey Young up, like the difference between how he picked him up in full court in that summer league game versus what I saw on that Hawks game, it, it was like a completely different play. So the offense isn't there, the defense isn't there. I, I can't get mad at Fisdale for not playing him. I, I don't think that's fair, even though I would play him if it was me. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think two or three weeks ago was when I started changing my tune on it too from, hey, he's got to play no matter what, to I was like, you know what? Um, when he is in, he's really not making the most out of his opportunities here. And I understand that um, ultimately he needs reps. And I'm not even saying that for like, oh, for his confidence. Just you, with anything, when you're that raw, you need plenty of reps. So um, it, to me, it's gotten to the point where I agree with you. He simply just can't force the issue. Like Frank's got to help his own case at this point. And we've always loved Frank. I still believe in that kid. I think he's going to be a very good basketball player one day. But, um, you know, there's not a lot that anybody can do for you if you're not making open jump shots or you're not consistently bringing something to the table offensively, even if it's just a little bit of playmaking or something else, you know, you, you just, he's not helping his own case. And like you said about his defense, he is lacking. I thought the first 10 or so games, he was okay when he's playing, especially to start the season, that first little burst when he was still starting, I thought he was fine. And then up until when he first got yanked from the starting lineup, that's kind of when I saw a noticeable drop off and then it just started to see like uh he just i, I don't know his body language just kind of sucked everything was a little bit slower he wasn't really lazier but he just wasn't making the same plays like you were saying about not being able to dictate where the ball handler was going to go and um I, it's it's just unfortunate but you know the the human side of it is, is also a part of his development so his confidence is part of that and Hopefully, you know, they can get him right via practice. And um, I, ju- I really would just love to see them put him in the G League for a little while and just get yeah. his reps that way. But it's some- I don't blame Fisdale right now. I would, what, turn, I would turn to it now. I would turn to it now. Um, confidence is his biggest issue, and he needs reps because he's so raw. Like, to me, he makes so much sense to be in the G League right now. And... I, I agree wholeheartedly. And it's just it's it's like we've talked about on earlier pods where, you know, it's it's very frustrating the way that Fizdale had previously spoken about, you know, using the G League or sending Frank to the G League. Like, you know, part of, you it can never be punishment with these guys. Obviously, Frank wants to play better. You know, I obviously I don't doubt that Frank Nielkina is working hard to try to improve himself, but something is just not quite clicking with him. You know, it, 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 you know, whether it's he just needs to get more shooting reps up, you need to get more game, you know, points in the game where he is the offensive focus, and that can't happen for him in the NBA right now at all. 
you know, the ability to at least I just I just don't understand why Frank could totally go down to the G League and dominate right now. And I, I, I don't understand the idea of, of not wanting him to get that kind of experience. It's just he, he has to look at it not as a demotion. At some point, Fisdale has to accept that this is a tool that he can use. I, I don't think that decision is fully on Fisdale. My guess is a G League demotion is an organizational between Perry, Mills, and Fisdale. I think that would be a group effort on that one. And I also think, look, there's going to come a point in the season where I do think that he should play no matter what and big minutes. Uh, and I get and I understand the people who are like, yo, they suck. They're nine and 26. It should be happening right now. And, and that's fair. It really like the people who are angry about it. I understand where they're coming from. I don't know. I don't really think they're wrong, but I, I just it's there is another side to it. And when he's playing that like they couldn't run the offense in the Hawks game. Like if you look at what they were doing when Moutier was in versus what when Frank was in, when Frank was in, it came he would come down and then it was a really organized set that they would have to get into. There's you couldn't free you couldn't start the set with him doing any freelancing because he just didn't have the confidence to maneuver the way you need to. Like you you have to play basketball with some confidence and believing in yourself. And after some of the stuff that happened in that game, it just wasn't there. And to give him another breather and letting him catch his breath again, I, I it's worth a shot, I guess. I, I, I don't have I don't have the answers here. I, just, I don't know. I just think they got to use it. You know, I mean, if he, if he's not going to play on the bench and he's still a, a team-controlled prospect, I just think, why not? Why not? It's only to his benefit, even if you're going to try to move him or trade him. Um, you'd, you'd want him to appear a little bit better to make a move. I, I just don't know why you wouldn't um, want to get him those reps. I, again, I don't know. I don't know if that's an option. I don't know why they'd be opposed to it, really. I, I think it makes a lot of sense for them, but... He seems like Frank seems frustrated right now. I mean, especially his post game comments the other, you know, yesterday. It was like, you know, clearly the guy wants to be playing well, wants to have earned the coach's confidence, and you know, he knows he doesn't have it right now, and he knows he doesn't have his own confidence either. And you know, I think that Fizz, you know, obviously what Fizzo was saying too is he's very much wants Frank to be out there. He still considers Frank a very important part of this course. So there's a whole organization, and it's just. I just feel like some time away from everything to let him recover and just kind of play at a lower speed and, you know, be able to discover his game a little bit again. It, it, it's just what he needs because, I mean, even when he came back, it's it's like you can't just keep on benching him and then bringing him back and hoping he's going to have a stretch of three really nice games. And then he goes back to putting up nothing on a nightly basis. He can just repeat the cycle. You know, that's not going to work in the short term or the long term. So it just, if you need to take a longer approach to this, to Frank Nielkino, that's why you drafted a 19 year old when we got him. You know, you, you have these options, you have these tools available. You can let him develop at his own speed. This guy is not going to, you know, be on the decline anytime soon. His athleticism isn't going anywhere. I mean, to me, it's just, you know, we're not even halfway into his second year. I just don't know why, uh, yeah. you, you you still wouldn't be invested in trying to develop him for some reason. We did have a return last night as well, other than Frank Dilakina, if you guys are good to come off of that. Um, 
Alonzo Trier came back and played, uh, came off the bench and scored eight points. He put up 10 shots. Um, he, he looked okay in stretches out there. He, he was able to kind of create some offense when the Knicks uh, desperately needed it. Kind of what we had seen out of Trey Burke is, you know, some of the similar play, but more a little bit more of a floater game, a little bit more uh, getting to the rim. And, yeah, I, I, Alonzo Trueros looked pretty confident out there. He looked good for his first game back. Uh, excited to see what else he can bring. What did you guys notice out of Trueros yesterday? It's just good to have that kid back, man. He just came right yeah. in, and he was attacking, same as always. Um, that was a goal 10, too, that... That lay Absolutely, it was a goal. It was positively a goal. But hit. then they didn't call. You know, they they gave one back to uh, back to Giannis later. So it was it evened out in the end. But yeah, there was absolutely not a goal ten there. No, he he just looked really good. I was, I mean, how many games did he miss? It was like five or six, no. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to pull up his line here. Um, so he had just eight points, two rebounds. He's four of ten shooting, but. As always, to me, I just like to watch, you know, like he's, the, he's the, the mechanics of it. Side. Oh yeah, that too. But I mean, like, I just like to see how they they move out there. Was he stiff coming back? And he looked smooth mostly. He made a lot of good moves. He created all the same space he normally creates, which is just an absolute ton. Um, he's wildly fun to watch in Spurs. He really, he really is. We we missed him. I missed him. Yeah, the, the bench is once you kind of get it settled in. If he'll be, I'm not worried about him. I like what he does, and it'll be the thing with him is just how much can he handle going forward. Like what's because he's an older rookie, so there's some expectation that what he does is different than what an 18 or 19 year old coming into the league does. So what kind of figuring out what his ceiling upside is is a little bit harder than if you were dealing with someone who was younger. Like if he came in and did this and he was 19, we'd be like, oh, God, this kid might have a chance to be a star. But because he's doing it and he's 23, I feel like you temper your expectations a little bit because you don't know how what, what's going to happen next and if there's maybe a little bit more of a cap on it than someone who's younger. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, it kind of, I mean, just to kind of go back to our discussion we just had for a second, it's kind of nuts that, you know, it feels like the expectations on Frank are higher than the expectations on Trier. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, what, what kind of assets we use to acquire them, which Trier is obviously nothing. But um, yeah, as a, he's kind of more set. You kind of know the kind of player he's going to start developing into. And we've seen, We've seen that kind of player be molded in the past before. He's not, he's not anything that that's so groundbreaking that we have no idea what his ceiling's going to look like. But you know, he's performing beyond expectations right now. And uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought getting Trier back on the court, being able to kind of solidify a bench rotation and figure out how many minutes each guy is going to be able to play is going to be really good moving forward. Uh, but speaking of nineteen-year-old scoring machines. We have we had another solid game out of Kevin Knox, who's really started to find a good stride uh, in these last few games. He he seems to have woken up. He seems to be fully recovered from that ankle sprain. Uh, Kyle, Kevin, is it Kevin Knox's confidence that's really getting him to this point, or is there is there more to his game right now we have to be looking at? Um, 
I think it's really just his confidence. To me, he just looks like he's not hesitating when he does things anymore. He's just kind of, you know, he knows what he's going to do now. Um, there's less indecision. So he, if he's going to go, you know, go to the rack, he's going to the rack. He's not sort of fumbling the balls, you know, the ball around in his hand before he goes to shoot. Little things like that. But I thought he'd look mostly the same on Christmas. Um, outside of that stretch in the third quarter there where he hit like five, I think he had four or five shots that quarter. I know he had three floaters in a row to kind of start that quarter, but um, he ended up eight of twenty shooting. wasn't his most efficient game. Uh, he, he, you know, he's been pretty efficient in this stretch, but um, at least from where was it? Oh, never mind. I, that's not what I was going to say. At least he shot well from three, but he did not. He was one of five, but um, just good in the glass again. I, my big thing is the just seeing him rebound and improve his passing consistently. And the passing's hit or miss. He still kind of has that tunnel vision problem, and he's also young. It happens, but he had... Uh, he's six, trying. He's trying. I mean, he has six uh, six rebounds, three assists in this game. So a, a line of 21-6-3 is actually very nice for what we get from him. So um, I, I just really like what I'm seeing, and I, I'm starting to really believe that he's this kind of player more and more, um, just the way he's been playing and, and how smooth he's been. The, the he had one pass. I think I don't know if it was on a pick and roll or if he was just driving that he d- dumped off to Cantor. That was really nice. He put a nice touch on it and got it over a defender. Uh, the eight for twenty. I think you saw a little bit of his limitations in a half court set. Right now, that the handle still isn't where it needs to be, and at times that can get exposed. And I was real. I thought Moody. Uh, no, Timmy. Hardaway threw two great outlet passes to him in transition. One led to a buck and the other got got the foul. So there's a lot of yeah. good that you saw from the 19-year-old, and there's still the places you can see where he can get better to become the best that he absolutely can be. Yeah, there's there's still some questions about his decision-making. Like he, he still has moments where he needs to just pull up on a shot and not you know, try to take a dribble. Or or you know get get to a get himself into a situation where now the ball is in a vulnerable position, but he is at least you know he's gotten better with it. He's shown improvement. I think it really for him it's just a matter of experience and putting himself into certain situations and you know learning from those and getting to know all the guys in the league and how they you know the little the little things that you discover as a rookie in the NBA. So I mean to this point I have no complaints right now. One thing that I have liked with about the ball handling point was um. I just really like how he's getting around screens. Like, to begin the year, we saw them kind of try to get him running off that screen. So he'd kind of pin down, come around it, and they'd hit him in stride, and he'd kind of get going to the rack. But now they're kind of giving him the ball above the screen and letting him make a decision. And, you know, he has, you know, attacked straight off of it a few times, but there's been a couple of times, and he did it more in the Christmas game, where he was really slow, and he kind of hugged the screener. So, you know, to really pin the defender back a little bit. And it's like those little things that I like seeing because it shows, like, he's he's getting a better feel for the game slowly. Like, and that's something I've seen Trier do, too, is he kind of, he's very patient coming off the screen. And then he kind of keeps his defender on his hip. And I saw that a little bit more from Knox. He's got a ways to go with it. But, again, little baby steps, especially for him as a ball handler. That's That's something I'm trying to really keep my eyes on. Right, right now, Knox can his handling is good enough when he's when he has leverage. 
like if a guy's closing out on him or he's using a screen or coming off a dribble handoff and he can kind of get up to full speed and it's a little bit more of a straight line drive where I don't think he has the handle yet is you couldn't give him the ball on the, I wouldn't give him the ball on the wing and just be like, go try and beat that dude one-on-one. I don't think that would end well for him on a regular basis. And that's where the improvement can come. I hope so. I mean, you need wings that are like this in transition. And given how tall he is, where I think, what was he listed as, 6'10"? And he's and, he, and so was Michael Porter Jr., but he looked taller than Michael Porter Jr. So, I, I mean, he's 19 and he's already that tall. And there's a real, you know, a real chance that he does, you know, pulls a Frank and next year he grows another inch or two. So when it's all said and done, we might have a, a nice little seven foot, you know, wing slash four here. And um, being able to, to handle the ball in transition is special. Like, remember the the five or six times we've seen Vonley do it this season and try to go coast to coast? Like, that that's an important skill for a big to have like that or a bigger guy to have. So I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm hopeful about it. I think he's going to be all right in that department yeah i think uh, to be clear i think it's going to get there but just it's fun to watch and see where it is now and where it could be two years from now it's nice to have a prospect that we all believed in or at least got talked into at one point or another and i mean that specifically to myself i'm not trying to shy away from it i was totally out on Knox and uh got talked in by matt or bailey and a couple of guys on twitter who are smarter than me about college basketball which is most people and um, then I was in, but it, it's nice to see like somebody that we actually believed in and, and, you know, pointed things out like, you know, he could be a good rebounder or his three point shot is going to be very effective. And then like immediately those things start happening to some degree. And it's like, oh, this is, this is nice when you have expectations a little bit and then it actually starts going exactly as you hope. Like it's a, it's a nice feeling that we don't often get, you know, so I'm encouraged by that. I, 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 with Knox, I feel like I, I saw that he was going to be a very solid scorer in the league, and he was going to be a, a pretty, you know, a, if not groundbreaking, then he's going to be a pretty prototypical but very solid scoring wing in this league. Um, I, w- I, but I also did view him as one of the bigger projects in the league based off the limited college information that I do know. But you know, I, I just as a 19 year old coming in and not quite being quite on the same level as you know some of the picks above him. I, I I viewed him as someone who was going to take a lot longer to adapt to the league, but 30 games in, he, he's showing more progress than I thought he would have to this point. So he still has a way to go, but we will, uh, you know, we're here for the long run. We got plenty more time with Kevin Knox. Uh, someone who's a bit more of a surprise this season, not a rookie, but managed to get a lot of uh, minutes um on Christmas Day is Luke Cornett. Uh, Luke Cornett is fully, fully embracing the uh, stretch four or the stretch five, really. Uh, took all the shots from three-point range on uh, on Christmas Day. Went three for six. Had some, mo- had some moments that I really liked, some moments that I really disliked. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, I'm all for him taking his three point shots. I'd, I'd like to see what kind of a game he can develop a little bit more down low. Um, you know, he's, he's very thin, very lanky. He's constantly going for, 
the the block, which takes him out of rebound position more times than I would like to see. Um, but generally, I am excited to see Luke Cornett get some minutes. I, mean, I think he is, at the very least, someone who can help push Mitchell Robinson forward and really hold it down while Kristaps Porzingis is not in the rotation. Um, how many minutes do you guys think? Let's start with you, Brian. How many minutes do you think Luke Cornett should be racking up once Mitchell Robinson gets back to the rotation? So the Knicks starting lineup that has now played 154 minutes together of Cantor, Tim Hardaway, Von Moody, and Kevin Knox has a 102.1 offensive rating and a 117.5 defensive rating. Hmm. It's a negative 15.4. Seems okay. <laughs> so I think it's... And the guy, I would like to see that lineup with Cornette spacing versus Cantor clogging up the middle. And I think Tim Hardaway Jr., there's a pretty good thing that shows this. When Cantor's on the court, Hardaway takes 13.6 shots per 100 possessions in the restricted area, and he makes those at 49.3%. When Cantor is off the court, he takes 15.9 attempts per 100 possessions, and he's shooting 52.4%. So that's a pretty big shift, and where it, those shots are coming from is it's in the paint, non-restricted area. It's basically where the shift is. So mm-hmm. he's getting he's able to get a little bit closer without Cantor clogging up the middle, and that kind of shows in Cantor's numbers as a whole. The team takes about... Oh, no, that doesn't. That's opposite. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, I think he opened – putting Cornette out there instead of Cantor would open up the lane for Moutier, for Hardaway, for Knox, and it would help shape their shot distribution chart in a positive way. I think we need all the rim protection we can get. And he's not he's not KP. He's not Mitchell Robinson. But he he's capable of it. You know, and I just think it's 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 important. And again, we should be developing everybody as they show promise. And if Cornet's going to come in and be effective, and it's been a little hit or miss, but he was pretty good in the Christmas game. He was uh, three of six from three and for nine points, and that was all the points he had on all the shots he took. Everything was from deep. And then we saw a little bit of his uh, inside presence. I mean, he's not strong at all. He's going to get shoved around like a rag doll, but. You know, he, he does stay vertical a little bit. He does move his feet okay down there. And I think I think he should, at least while Mitchell Robinson's out, he should be getting around 15 minutes or so. I, I would like to see a little bit more, but 15 minutes is fine. Um, when Mitch comes back, I don't know. I think that's I think that's tough. I don't know how much they're actually going to play him. I know Brian's going to hop on right after me and go, well, if they would just buy out Ennis Cantor and be done with him, that's the right move that they should do. Um but I, I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't know how much he'll play once uh, Mitch is back. But it, right now, I think 15 or so minutes is fine. I think I, I I agree with the Cantor should be bought out statement at this point. I, I I'm starting to feel like as as much as he has enjoyed his time in New York, and you know as as much as he helps the Knicks on their social like, media game and everything like that. New York. It's yeah not, right none of us yeah it's but like in the end like yeah exactly we're the people who's going to matter in the long run and like yeah Cantor is great when he's being santa claus and everything like that but you know what you got your 
you got your holiday season with him. You got all the benefits of that and everything like that. You, I think it's pretty safely, you could safely move on from Anaskander at this point. I don't know why Cantor wants to stick around New York. That doesn't really make a ton of sense for him. You know, I'm sure he could sign on with someone and be a, a really capable, you know, bench big moving into the playoffs. It's just, you know, I, I, I it's just, it would make sense for everybody around February. I, I'm really starting to think this team's going to see some pretty significant changes around February, whether that's buyouts or, you know, trades or something like that. But there are obvious pieces that should be moved soon, and there are obvious pieces that should be here for the long term. Uh, I, I have a feeling this February could get pretty interesting for us. Yeah, though, Kyle hit on it with Cornette, though. His strength is an issue on offense and defense. We've, he's got him bodied. He gets bodied by dudes trying to back him He in. looks like year one KP. Yeah, and then he can't, like, he. they haven't really done any of it this year. But I remember with Hornacek last year, they would sometimes give him the ball and try and post him up, and he'd be getting defended by a smaller person. And I would rather him just, even if it's someone smaller on him, just let him space out and take a clean look at three over a shorter guy. I would rather him do that than even attempt to post up. Yeah, I I, I think that he is not going to be able to defend most traditional centers down there, but it's just he is... You know, his rim protection is is an asset for him. He's not elite at it. Again, we're not saying that he's like KP or like he's like Mitchell Robinson, who's got a you know natural talent for it. Cornette's got a lot of work to do, but he put in some good time in the G League this year, and that's clearly helped him get some minutes up here. And he's been, for the most part, effective from there. And his three-point shooting is definitely definitely a plus. He, I feel like, should be a little bit more selective with his shots. He kind of rushes it up sometimes, and... You know, it, it takes them a while to kind of get hot, but that seems to be the case for the entire team. So I've been kind of keeping an eye on this for a little bit now with the Knicks and how their slow starts to both the first half and the second half have gotten them into a lot of trouble. And it, it showed up in, uh, in in Christmas Day's game where, you know, in the first quarter, they only scored two points in the first four minutes of the game. Um, they missed seven shots and they only made one. And then you, you, you follow that into the third quarter. They have two turnovers. By the same point in the game, they have two turnovers. They have two fouls. They have four missed shots. They made four as well, but they also let Milwaukee go six for eight out there uh, with two Giannis free throws as well. And, you know, it, it's, it's these moments that we've been seeing the Knicks lose the game. They've, they had a couple of decent third quarter stretches earlier in the year that's helped them propel them to either a close game that they lose or a surprising victory. But lately it's been, you know, very slow to come out of the game, very slow to come out of halftime. And it's been the biggest differential in letting these better teams get the lead. Um, Brian, what, what are the, the most telling things when the Knicks are coming out, you know, slow in the game or they're coming out to a slow start out of halftime? Is it the passing? Is it just like the inability to hit shots? Is it just like body language as a whole? Like, what what it seems to be ailing the Knicks right now? It's that kind of leads right back to the starting lineup point that I brought up before. They're playing bad groups of players together, and the problem people will say, "Oh, it doesn't matter who starts; it's who finishes." But why? That's something I really disagree strong with. That strongly with is the three most played Knicks lineups this year 
are the three different groups that have started the most games together. So whoever's starting because of those long stretches in the first and the third quarter are going to be your most played five-man group. So doesn't it make sense to play what would be your best five-man group the most together? And I think uh, the Knicks issue starting the first quarter and starting the third quarter all go back to your playing guys that skill sets don't mesh well together right now. This was for what the starting group? Yeah, we're t- like coming out of halftime, coming out of the starters. Yeah, it's just the inability to get anything going, and you know the inability to kind of like get guys together who are going to get into a solid rotation together. It's been it, it, it's it's exactly what you're saying. It's, it's these guys are getting ve- are just getting off to very slow starts. They're they they just kind of don't know how to defend properly together they don't know how to use each other in the same spaces and you know and other teams are able to lock onto that very quickly and take advantage of it yeah i mean a lot of it's just that they're a very young team too and i think that's what we forget is they rely on a lot of guys who are pretty young even you know some of the quote-unquote older guys on this team like like a moutier who we might think of as a little older he's only 22 like this is just a yeah. young team and i got into this uh, I wouldn't say like a, de- a debate even, but I mentioned on Twitter that um, the the Knicks just did did not have the talent to compete with the Bucks. Like they're this is a, a nine win team. The talent just really isn't there, and the winning talent, you know. And while there's young guys who have promising talent, um, or it seems that way, you know that they're still not there yet. They got they they're going to be very talented one day, but there's going to be growing pains and. Being a rookie in the NBA is hard. It just it just is, period. So, you know, while the talent might be there for them to get to be a special player, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily very, very good now. Like, we see nice things from the rookies. Uh, you know, they, they've kind of surprised us in different ways all seasons. But, you know, they're just uh, – it's just a young team. This is the part of the process. So – like playing a canter doesn't help, and once Mitch comes back, that'll probably help things a little bit. Because it's nice. It's nice when you know you have a safety net back there. I've played with a couple of centers like that, and it's really nice knowing, like as a perimeter guy, that I can be a little bit more aggressive at the top of the key with you know gambling or, or th- steals I'm going to try to make or uh, play the passing lanes a little bit more. And it's nice to know if I get burned, then someone can clean up your misses. Where I'm sure with canter, they don't feel that way, you know, and they have to work a little bit harder up top and. Um, I'm not going to say Mitch is going to fix everything, but I just think, you know, they've been pretty shorthanded recently, and it was already bad enough being a young team. So hopefully things start to stabilize a little bit more now once guys are going to start coming back. Yeah, get a mitt that's... I'm ready to watch Mitchell Robinson play for those 12 minutes a night again. I think I said that last time. But mm-hmm. they, they just... They, this team, it it's scary how much he means to the roster already. Yeah, it, it is scary. But it, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a bittersweet thing where it, it's it's very promising, but it, it's a, it's it's scary that he's been that we were at such a point where he's able to make an impact so quickly, and that you know he was able to marginalize Cantor's role so easily. And you know, it's it's how it looks when he comes back. If he's able to get into a very solid stretch to get things started, you know, if he's able to, you know, if he's able to assert any kind of dominance over the 
over, you know, the minutes load or maybe even the starting job again, you know, they could lead to some very interesting decisions with Ennis Cantor down the line. And, you know, he's got a lot to prove still, but, you know, always very thrilled with how Mitchell Robinson is on this team so far. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to touch on from that game, or do you want to look at the schedule now? Um, did we discuss how, well, I mean, Noah Vonley had a nice little game. Yes, Vonley did have a, a very solid, pretty quiet, but very, uh, you know, it was, he was quietly active once again, 14 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, once again, able to hold Giannis to, you know, not completely blowing us out. He did have 30 points and 14 rebounds, but, you know, you're never going to be able to control Giannis and Nettacumpo for a full 48 minutes or however many you're on the court with him for. So from what what Vonley was able to show out there was was very solid, I would say. He swatted the shit out of Gian- Giannis once, didn't he? He did. He did. I thought I remembered that. Yeah, he Giannis said, yeah, got, he, he, I don't know if Giannis got him back, but he got someone else back for sure, but... Yeah, no, he he got him good, and and Giannis tried to go uh, all the way across the paint with him, backed him in. Vonley didn't budge because he's a human muscle, and then he tried to do like that big sweeping move to get to the other other side of the basket, and Vonley knew it was coming and met him right at the corner of the rim and sh- just shoved it out of bounds, and it was nice. Um, that, I mean, that, that was a really nice, really nice play. But Vonley had Vonley had a, a couple of really nice. Plays uh, a couple of really big boards. These weren't just little like BS boards falling to him. He was fighting uh, most of the game. So again, Giannis is is Giannis. He's an MVP candidate this year. He's the MVP favorite since uh, pretty much the end of last season. Everybody was trying to push this is uh, going to be Giannis's year, and I mean I would be inclined to agree right now. But just being able to slow him down, especially in that first half when Milwaukee was struggling offensively. Uh, that was important. They they were in this game all the way through like the late third quarter, and then it really started to get away from him. So, I, I, what are you yeah. gonna do it, on, it, on a bad team? You know, he's trying his best. He's done a hell of a job. We see him working. Uh, just really appreciate having that guy in this team. I, re- I really enjoy watching him play. Very welcome surprise. I changed my mind that I don't want to look at the schedule. <laughs> oh, it's brutal! It's brutal! It's um, they're not going to win any games. They're not going to win any games. Like nine and forty. Yeah, no, they're not. You know what's funny is um, I was talking to Matt Moore right before the season started, and he was doing his uh, preseason totals for the teams. Oh, I made fun of him too. When yeah, I'm and and he said, "Do you remember the number, Brian?" He had sixteen or eighteen. It was eighteen. He had 18, and, and I remember I said to him, I was like, I was like, Matt, I'm not even mad, but really, 18? And he's just like, like, what are they going to do? He's like, you know, are, are they really going to ask Tim Hardaway Jr. to be the number one? And then who else is gunning with him? And then he goes, dot, 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 Knox? And I was like, yeah, you know, you're bringing up a good point. He's like, I just don't know what's what's there. He's like, you know, the young guys might be fun, but this is, you know, he's referring to pretty much just Knox at that time, probably Knox and Frank. Um, but he's like, um... I just don't see them winning. And then, you know, probably for the first month of the season, I was like, yeah, I don't see, I just don't see 18. And now I'm sitting here where Brian just had that realization of they could be 9 and 40. And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe this team doesn't yeah. win 18 games. Yeah, I thought, but I, I didn't think they were going to be good by any means. Like, I thought they were going to win like 25 to 32 games. That's what I think I said. I think like 22, 23. Yeah, and I thought the East was going to be crap. And I was like, yeah, the Knicks will come closer to the eighth seed than the number one pick. Just not because they're good, 
but because there will be like just your typical bad team, and the East is going to be garbage. Good God, was I wrong. I thought the East was going to be garbage, too, but even still, um, I don't know. Just that... the, I, say, I like the top of the East, even before the season. Yeah, the top of the East is, there's, there's about five or, about five good teams. Who do you, Raptors, Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, Bucks, Pacers. Yeah. Are we missing anyone? We got, that's everyone. No, right? no, I mean, at that point you start making the case for like a Detroit which will probably be like a weird six seed this season, where they're That's... clearly not as good as the, the the top five, but they're also clearly not as bad as the bottom teams, but they are hopeless still in the playoffs. The Nets might be like the seventh. They're probably the seventh or eighth best team in the conference, too. Sean Marks, that genius. Hey, anytime you can be the eighth seed and lose in the playoffs instead of getting an elite talent, you got to do it. Got to do it every time. What happened to Orlando? Wasn't Orlando supposed to be the uh, in the playoffs this year? Uh, they're still in the, they're still in the mix. I think they're like are they um, still in the mix or did they drop off? No, nah, they're they're three games. No, sorry, two games back out of the eighth seed right now. It's Miami. Okay. Did they lose? Oh yeah, to Miami. Homer beat them tonight. That's who they were playing. Yeah, so the, the East Eastern Conference real quick right now. Uh, number one is Toronto. Then it's Milwaukee, Indiana, Philly, Boston at five, Charlotte at six, Detroit at seven, and Miami at eight. And then Brooklyn and Orlando are right behind them. And Orlando just lost at home to the Suns who in OT. The Suns are better than they were as we saw when the Knicks played them. Now that they're now that they're healthy, but that's still not a good home loss for a team trying to make the playoffs. Right. So we have so we play Milwaukee again tomorrow night. Um, I'm expecting much of what we saw tonight. Maybe some Frank Nielakina minutes. Maybe not. Hopefully not very much Trey Burke. Um, I, I I don't know. If, I mean, there's plenty that you can try to clean up against the Bucks for you know tomorrow night. But you're just gonna get outworked, and you just gotta kind of they just gotta give it their best out there. We'll see what's gonna happen. Maybe you got to unleash his own against uh, against Giannis again. I don't know. Uh, who are we playing after that? Well, hold on, I just added and lost it. Sorry, I got it right here. Um, okay, so they're in Milwaukee, <laughs> then they're in Utah, in Denver, in uh, L.A. to play the Lakers, in Portland, and then they uh, the cherry on top is. They're in the bay to play the Warriors, and then they go yeah. home to play the Pacers and the Sixers. How many games is that? Was that that six, is that is games? eight? That is eight. Eight, and they are going to lose I, every every single one of we those. We could games. potentially get wild and win two of them if like Knox or Trier goes nuts, but maybe let's... maybe the Jazz, maybe the Pacers. All right, let's do this. We got we'll bet a beer on it the next time we're all, right. all in the vicinity. We all got to pick a game. That we Kyle, give me the list again. Game. What's the next game that they win? It can be anything on the schedule. What is the give, next give, game? Give it to me one more time. Okay, in order. The first six, the first six are away games. So these are all in the. These are all, oh, first six are away. The Bucks, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Warriors. All those are road games. Then they're at home for the Pacers and the Sixers. They currently have 26 losses. 
I'm going to fuck around and go wild here and say that they end up beating the Lakers. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Pacers. I'm just going to think because they're at home after that long road trip, I think they're going to have a little bit of rest. They're going to, I haven't even looked at the schedule. I'm just assuming by the gauntlet of West Coast games. And um, I just think they're going to be fired up to not lose to the Pacers for the third time and the second time at home and probably coming off six straight losses on the, the Western uh, the West Coast, they're going to I mean, Kyle, win that game. you can analyze this all you want, but my thought is basically it's ludicrous to pick the Knicks to win any one of these games. So you might as well go wild here. I'll Who do you go, got, Brian? I'll go the Jazz on Saturday. Yep. All right. I, I feel like you guys are taking the safe picks. I'll go out there and get a little wild with the Lakers pick. Yeah, we'll see if, if Ron is back or not. But um, uh, when none of us are right and they lose all three, no one gets free beer. Okay. Uh, or yep. we, or we all have to do shots that night instead. That could work. Take that side. Yeah, no, 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 no uh, picklebacks. Yeah, <laughs> you know me. Wait, what is this nonsense? You I'm never a had a pickle... pickleback. Please explain the picklebacks. So everyone can yell at you and make you feel bad about yourself. A pickleback is a whiskey shot chased with a shot of pickle juice. Yeah, that's gross. I'm not taking that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's pretty delicious. And... I don't know, man. You. After three years, Ant finally got me to have it. And then after having this pickleback, finally, he turns to me and goes, right? It's not bad. It cancels each other out. It's like you drank nothing. And I was like, Ant, that's not that's not the point. And that's how this works. He's like, because uh, I was like, oh, that was ter- weird. That was weird. Because, like, the pickle first, then disappear. Or, no, the whiskey first, and the pickle juice makes it disappear. And I was like, it's just, it, it was uncomfortable. Uh, I was disoriented. I... I <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to be there anymore. I've, I've lost many. I've lost many nights to picklebacks before. How'd you get them? How many drinks deep were you that you tried that, Kyle? Not many. I haven't been getting wild uh, since we've been getting together ever since the uh, train incident of 2017. So um, I, I've only been. I, I drink a couple of beers. I have like a maybe a whiskey, and then I'm done. I don't remember the train incident of 2017, but I'm gonna we're gonna talk about this off air because I feel like it's it's definitely not doesn't need to be out there publicly. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I, 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 it was 3 a.m. It was the last train. I slept through it and missed my stop. So it was. Like, oh, I've done that. That's yeah. that's nothing. Right, but then but then there was no train back, so I had to call my wife at 4 a.m. or whatever it was <laughs> to drive all the way out to Brewster to pick me up to bring me. Two and a half miles to my car, to my car at the other station, and uh, then go home. Okay. That is a train incident, then. Okay. All right, Kyle. Let's wrap this thing up. Why don't you drop some plugs in here and let's get home? Uh, make sure you're following all of us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Kyle Maggio. My buddy Anthony's at Wish I Was Corbo, and uh, Brian Giberman is at Brian Giberman with a Y. Me, I'm awful. It's fair. Don't follow, follow Brian. Him. Uh, <laughs> Follow the Knicks Wall uh, on Twitter, obviously, and uh, on Instagram, just at the Knicks Wall. Facebook, make sure you like us. We're there. Uh, we're doing more there uh, kind of week by week, so make sure you're following us over there for some different things. Um, subscribe to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the Knicks Wall, and also to our YouTube channel, which is just, again, as you would expect for everything else, it's youtube.com slash the Knicks Wall. Um, that's about it. We'll probably have some more merchandise coming up. Uh, thank you to everybody who participated on Twitter with the uh, A Very Merry TKW giveaway. Um, so somebody won an authentic jersey and a couple of uh, TKW merchandise items for our Christmas giveaway. So, um, you know, again, we have a lot of people 
participated. Thanks for that. And um, we'll do more things all for different memories. channels. Yeah, all great memories. Uh, basically, just real quick, we just had people to to enter. You just had to tell us your favorite Nick's Miss memory uh, of the past. So uh, a lot of good responses. We played some of the old clips from those answers uh, on Christmas Eve. So it was just... It was a fun thing all around. So, again, we always do those things. You guys know we're good for the giveaways. We'll keep doing them. Um, but that's about it. So just make sure you're following us on everything and stay tuned. Yep. All right. Well, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure as always, guys. I will talk to you all on Sunday. All right. Take it easy.